On this episode of Own Your Business, I'll give you an introduction to buyer types in the wedding industry. We'll talk about what leadership training can teach us about sales work, the number one skill set to develop if you want to succeed with your business, my Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, and DIS profiles, a background on the four different buyer types you'll see in your clients, and how you can sell the same thing differently to different buyer types. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. Today, we're gonna go back to 2013, November of 2013 to be specific. At that time, I was, gosh, I was just a wee pup, 35-year-old Sam. I was the lodging director at the resort that I worked at up in Washington State, and I was responsible for, in addition to the event sales work that I was doing, the housekeeping and the front desk and the reservations team. Ultimately, you know, 40, 45 people maybe during peak season under my supervision. And I had been in management for about 10 years at that point. I'd worked in the restaurants where I had managed in a uh, casual bar and grill environment. I'd also managed in a fine dining environment in our, our other restaurant. I'd managed in events, of course, but I'd spent the bulk of the time doing my work as lodging director. And I felt like I was at a point in my career where I needed to develop more skills than I was born with or could pick up from mistakes or learning from people around me. And so I decided to actually, like I did in sales, get good by finding a mentor, a coach, getting some actual training rather than just winging it. You know, I'd always been a leader. No matter where I was and who I was around, I was always the kind of guy that felt like I was interested in and capable of leading the team. Uh, When I was in high school, I was the senior class president BTW senior class presidents still have more work to do after graduation, which um, I wish I would have known how that worked before I decided to run that year. But, but nonetheless, I, I enjoyed my time as as class president, and I was always in a captain role in sports. You know, I was a bit of a jock when I was in uh, high school, and on the teams, I was either naturally or formally the leader or one of the leaders of the team. And uh, like I found out when I was in sales, I was naturally good and, and had some ability and, and I was charismatic and people would follow, but I realized that that was only going to get me so far. It wasn't something that was going to take me to the level of success that I knew that I wanted. And so rather than continue to fake it till I made it or wing it uh, or rely on that natural ability and charisma... I decided that it was probably a good idea for me to get some training. So in November of 2013, I went down to Silomar in the central California coast with the F&B director. 
and we went to a multi-day conference for seasonal HR managers. Now, I was not an HR manager and neither was the F&B director, but we both were responsible ultimately for hiring the teams and, and leading and managing the teams that we had at the at the property. And so we went to this multi-day conference to learn how to be better at what it is that we were doing from the HR perspective. And while I was there, I sat in on what would for me be truly a life-changing hour-long seminar on situational leadership that was taught by who would be my future coach, Laura Moriarty with Tahoe Training Partners. Now, I didn't know Laura from Eve at the time, and I perked up immediately when she started talking. I felt this connection to her, and I I knew that everything she was saying within the first few minutes totally resonated with me. Now, her topic, situational leadership, was a new concept to me, uh, but the general principles were somewhat familiar in the sense that situational leadership is leading different people on your team uh, in different ways at different times based on what their needs are. And, and really the big takeaway from this is that I needed to stretch out of my natural way of leading and managing people to meet those team members where they were at. Uh, you know, like a teacher does in a classroom teaching differently to different skill levels or, uh, you know, needs of, of the students. As a team leader, I needed to do the same thing with, with my team, um, with my operational team. And that was, that was a really eye-opening experience for me in seeing it in, in such a clear, stark way. Now, the, the concept, like I said, it was, was not new to me, you know, as far as relating to different people and communicating with them in different ways. But the way that Laura had painted the, the clarity of it was uh, exceptionally important for my understanding of it. Now, you know, it, we see these types of communication styles and, and, and differences in team members, oftentimes through, you know, fun, fun quizzes that we take, like the Enneagram. And we, we talk with people about that. I'm an eight wing seven, by the way, the contrarian. Shocking, I know. Uh, it, another way that we do this is through, say, the Myers-Briggs. Uh, a, a personality assessment where we go through and we come up with our our you know uh, acronym that that best fits our personality type. I'm an ESTP for those who are interested. Um, you know another way of looking at this would be the DISC, where you are you know put into one of these 16 different categories or profiles. I'm a driver, if you're interested in that one. And the reason why I bring these up is that this is pretty commonplace for people who have worked in corporate jobs or had been in trainings where teamwork was a part of what was being worked on. And what I realized in this conference that I went to was not just the importance of situational leadership in the teams that I was managing at an operational level, but important to you as wedding professionals is that I needed to learn how to be a leader for 
the team that I was leading when it came to the sales work that I was doing, because ultimately that is a kind of team. They are, you know, that couple and their families are coming to you to lead them through the wedding planning process, whatever field you're in, they're looking for you as the leader, the guide to get them through that. And they are the followers and they're looking for somebody that they can trust. And so like in leadership, soft skills are a huge requirement for success. You know, when it comes to the top skills that you can learn as a leader, as a manager, and I think as a salesperson for your business, you'll see that what are classified as soft skills, you know, communication, empathy, understanding, connection, those kinds of things that, that, that we do, active listening, very, very important to the success that you'll see, not just as a leader, which is what I was learning at that time at that HR conference, but also as a salesperson, which is how I had translated a lot and filtered a lot of that information. And so when I, when I went back to the resort, I started thinking, how can I apply this concept of situational leadership and stretching my way of, of leading people, not just on a team, but also in the sales work that I'm doing. So with that, let's, let's see, how does this apply then to what we do in the day-to-day in the wedding world? Now, as the salesperson for your company, you are working with a lot of different types of people just like I was when I was leading this operational team. And, and sometimes it's a good fit and sometimes it's a not when you first sit down and, and talk with somebody or, or even email with somebody. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've gone through a lot of these situations myself. Uh, I, I've also led a lot of uh, clients through the coaching process, one-on-one work where I hear from them about the types of inquiries that they're getting. And particularly the tough ones are the ones that I often hear most about. I hear a lot about the tough ones. I hear a lot about the easy ones and the successful ones. And and the the tough ones oftentimes are people who maybe come in and ask a lot of questions of you and it feels like an interrogation. I know that there's Facebook groups that I see quite a bit where I I see a lot of posts that, uh, you know, people will put up over the course of time talking about like, is it normal for clients to come in with a long list of questions that they want to ask me? Um, You know, and and those obviously that that person, that wedding pro was a little bit, uh, you know, rubbed the wrong way. Uh, with with that approach that their clients took. Uh, Another one that I I hear quite a bit about bad fits are uh, clients who come across as too direct and and too controlling and to the point. And and that can sometimes, uh, you know, rub you the wrong way. Uh, I was at a workshop that we were teaching a couple of years ago, and I remember one of the attendees, I was there having breakfast in the morning. It was just she and I, and uh, everybody else was asleep, and she was frustrated because she had just got an email from somebody that she had hoped to be a better client prospect, but uh, had let her know that they just wanted to uh, check off the the photography from the list of things that they needed to get done, and that had really you know not resonated with her because she wanted to find more of a client that had a connection, a a purpose, uh, a drive to, to want to love the photography. And so that was something that, that really didn't connect with her. 
sometimes we we see that our clients need too much hand holding and 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 we think to ourselves like oh my gosh like really you need me to do that too um, other times it's just a boundary issue and they reach out and text or call you or email you at all hours of the day and night or um, you know they're reaching out when you let them know that you have a meeting upcoming and they still text or call and and that can be incredibly frustrating on you know, when we're going through and we're, we're looking at that, you know, sometimes that that doesn't work for you. And other times it, it you, you'll find these clients where it just meshes so well and it's so easy for you to work with them. And 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 really what I want to highlight is that it's not like these people are good or bad people. They're just good or bad natural fits. And I want to highlight this idea of this natural fit because it's possible for you to connect with all types of buyers, not just your ideal clients, but any kind of client. It just takes some skill and understanding and patience, ultimately, to do that kind of work. So while there's gonna be some people that don't fit naturally well in the very beginning, I hope that one of the big takeaways that you get from today's podcast episode is that it doesn't mean that they're not gonna be eventually a good fit. They could be one, they just aren't right away. Because what works for some clients doesn't work for others. And the same sales approach that you use will work for some, but not for others. And so ultimately, what we as the representatives for our company that are responsible ultimately for selling our services is we have to recognize that we have to sell differently to different kinds of buyers. And it's not what you're selling. What you're selling is functionally the same thing. And maybe even on a higher order, it's the same thing, that emotional need that it's meeting. But how you sell it is going to be different depending on the kind of person that you're working with. So what you sell can be the same, but how you sell it can be differently. So ultimately, your business exists to serve the needs of others. And, and so we, we want to make sure that as we're going through and we are designing the communication for our potential clients, that we are thinking about not just what we need to provide them, but how we need to provide them. And if we don't find a way to do that very well, if we can't lead them to see us as the kind of person that's going to be easy to work with from their perspective, then it kind of reminds me of, of the old joke that, that I loved about leadership, which is that what's a, a leader without any followers, just a guy taking a walk. And if you go through and you apply that to your job as a salesperson for your business, you know, what is a salesperson who only sells one way? You're just a guy or a gal taking a walk because I think when you look behind you, you'll find that there's not many of those potential clients that are going to be following you if you're only speaking to them in one communication style because there are so many others that are out there that we have to make sure that we're being inclusive of when we try to communicate what it is that we do for our buyers and how they benefit from it. 
Let's do a little bit of a summary on what I've come to classify as four different buyer types. And, and there's a lot more to dive into on this and, and I'd be happy to do it and will do it on more episodes, but let's just do a real quick overview here of these four different buyer types that I've come up with and how you can stretch your communication style to meet with them. So the first buyer type is the relator. The second is the analyzer. The third is the boss. And the fourth is the dreamer. And, and the easiest way to recognize these is to look at the main filter of what is most important for them when they are processing the world around them. So the relator really focuses on the relationships that they have with people. So the relationship is going to be the, the primary filter that they see the world. The analyzer is really going to focus on expertise. And so the, they're going to put the focus on information and expertise. The boss, the boss is all about getting things done and results. They want the bottom line to be excellent. And then the fourth one, the dreamer, the dreamer is really interested in ideas and possibilities. And so here's what's interesting about these. As we go through and we think about you know, what it is that's important to them, the relator, people, analyzer, information, the boss, results, and the dreamer, ideas. It's not just what they want to hear. It's also how they want to hear it. Now, this is where you're going to make huge inroads with potential clients that maybe you don't gel with right away. A lot of the time when we feel the hair on the back of our neck or our arms stand up or we feel like we're just being rubbed the wrong way, whether that's the client who has a ton of questions for us or maybe somebody who just wants to check the box or another kind of client that, that requires too much hand-holding or, or pushes boundaries, those are really communication issues. When we go through and we think about the different ways that these buyers communicate with us, it's super helpful to remember that it's also how you communicate with them that is going to make an impact. So out of the four different buyer types, it's not just what they want to hear from you. It's also how they want to hear it. So as an example, the relator wants to hear information uh, it delivered step by step. Very important for you to stop off at every letter along the way from A to Z. The analyzer wants to have a very linear structure to the conversation. This happens, then this happens, then this happens, or this occurs and it helps us get the result this way. The boss is a super direct communicator, very bottom line driven, and just wants to know the, the answer in the shortest way possible. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have the dreamer who's very quick to act, but also loves the process of collaborating. And so they really want to talk it out. So these four different buyer types have four different wants and also four different hows they get to that want. So I'll give you an example here in a few different ways so that you can see how you're selling the same thing, but you're just communicating it in a different way. Let's start off with a wedding planner. A wedding planner who also does designing. Let's say they're selling to a dreamer. The thing that the wedding planner is going to want to really focus on is the design portion of it. And they're going to want to focus on the visuals, the way that things are going to look, the collaborative process, and how they're going to work together to create this incredible experience that people have never seen before. 
So those are the things that are going to be really important when selling to the dreamer. The focus here is really on the ideas and the collaboration. Now, let's say that you were a floral designer and you're selling to an analyzer. Now, I think our natural instinct would be to go through and to start selling the design. And you could do that. But if you know that you're working with an analyzer, for instance, what does the analyzer want? They want information and they want it delivered in a linear format. So when we're sharing information with them, we want to give them a, a one, two, three process, or this happens, then this happens, then this happens. And so for instance, let's say you're selling the floral design for an event and you're doing it in a tent or uh, some outdoor space and they're worried about uh, the quality of the flowers lasting in the weather, pretty common concern. So what you would do is you would walk them through the step-by-step -step process that you take to move the flowers from the cooler to the setup. And you would spend your time focusing on that, not the design, not the pretty, but instead the process. And that's how an analyzer wants to be sold. Uh, let's say you are a photographer and you are selling to a relator. So again, relators are very interested in people and they also need the step-by-step. -step. Oftentimes, relators are concerned about the family dynamics. Let's say, uh, you know, the stress and pressure of having a mixed family set up during the I don't know, family formals or something like that, where their parents are divorced and they don't know how to handle the situation. What they would want to hear is how you would help corral people and the step-by-steps that you would take to make sure that everybody felt comfortable in the same space, even though they may not all get along. I'll give one more example here, the stationer selling to a boss. So again, boss types are results-driven and very direct when it comes to their communication. So how do you sell stationary to a boss type? Well, you don't focus on the design. What you do is you focus on what the stationary is meant to do. So if you're selling an invitation suite, for instance, you would need to let the boss know that the primary importance of the invitation suite and why they should spend good money on it is if they can't convince the people to attend the event that they want them to, it's not going to give them the kind of ultimate experience that they want at the wedding because their friends and family will not attend because they don't know if it's going to be a good party. However, if you can create an amazing invitation suite, then the person who gets it is going to see it, be wowed by it, and then go, you know what? Out of all the weddings that I could attend this year, I really want to make this one a priority because it looks like it's going to be incredible. So that's the kind of appeal to make to a boss. Those are just four different examples. You can see how this can be applied to so many different parts of what it is that you do during your communication with clients. Again, you're selling the same thing. You're not selling anything different. It's just how you're selling it, how you're presenting it, how you're packaging it. And, and this is especially important because in today's wedding world, we're not selling to just one person, we're selling to multiple decision makers. It, you know, it used to be the stereotypical and, and often wrong, the bride is the one making the decision. The bride is not the one making the decision. The, the groom's involved. It, it could be two brides. It could be two grooms. It's definitely going to have other family members and friends who are also a part of the decision. And so we have to get out of that mindset that we're selling to just one person. What we're really doing is we're selling to lots of different people who are ultimately going to make the decision together collectively. And because of that, we need to make sure that we are 
stretching out of our our one-way only communication approach and focusing on how can we talk about the things that matter most in the ways that's easiest for that particular buyer type to understand. So you can always be true to yourself and to your brand, but it's still possible to meet the buyer where they're at by stretching to their preferred communication style. I plan on talking a lot more about buyer types, but for now, I hope this was a helpful introduction. Boom. That's it for this episode on Own Your Business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we'd settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through. 